Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurelien, the mindforinvestor.net. I'm here with Darcy, darcywatt.ca and Glenn at glensutherland.com. Today we will be discussing hiring your first employee. So on my on my end, I'm not big enough to hire, hire proper employees, uh, have people on a, on a payroll, but uh, I had a, a, a retreat uh, in February, uh, a little retreat, a 24-hour retreat on my own, and um, did some meditation and. Uh, and I like to reflect on the business, not working in the business, but on the business. And one of the realizations I had was, um, you know, to scale, you need to leverage and you leverage other people, time and capital. And I decided to start leveraging other people using a virtual assistance. So people in um, remote countries where uh, that are more affordable for my, you know, for my, my small business. Um, so what I did is I did two things. I had to prepare my taxes. So I got, uh, I, I did two things that are pertaining to commercial real estate. The first one, I had a list of all the owners of uh, retail plazas in central Florida that had vacancies over 30%. And I figured if I can look at other data, such as the, how long does a, um, a property, um, a retail space remains for lease on the market and this is under 12 months it's quite an active market and the other the other criteria is the vehicle count uh, so if if it's on a major uh, corridor and the vehicle count is, su is superior to 30,000 vehicles per day then that's the busy street and those indicate those those elements indicate that it's potentially mismanaged so uh, and uh, so what i did is i got my skip tracers I hired skip tracers on Upwork to find me the contact information for the owners of these buildings to see if they are interested in selling and taking that problem off their plates. So that's one way I hired a virtual assistant. Um, the other thing I did was for data entry. Um, I got somebody to look at uh, uh, commercial brokers that have their own websites across the US, the Southwestern the southeast US, so five states down there. And, and then they made a list of all the, the brokers, their phone numbers, their email addresses, so I can contact them, ask them for off-market deals, giving them my criteria. Um, and also, I think it's a, a good tip for, we're going to talk about um, accounting next week, a good tip on, um, on bookkeeping. You can save yourself a lot of money if you need, for example, uh, some banks uh, make it qu quite cumbersome to extract uh, information when the year has passed. If you don't have a bookkeeper and you need to extract information for from your uh, your bank statements that are in PDF format to convert them into a, into Excel or Google Sheet, you can hire somebody on uh, on, um, on on Upwork, for example, or Fiverr for for quite. A, reasonable amount and it's going to be less expensive than um, using uh, your 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 bookkeeper uh, oh. and I hired recently also another person because uh, it was quite stressful to uh, prepare our plans for the trip we recently took to Florida so I'm gonna to, to take away the, that stress I'm gonna hire someone to uh, to give us options to find us the three best options according to them in terms of flight in terms of Airbnb, in terms of hotels, so that we just pick from those three options. And uh, so that's another way you can leverage um, people and simplify your life by uh, hiring 
people to help and leveraging other people to do the work that because the big the big thing is there are there is a best and you know it's like a real estate land development you know there is a best use of my time and my time is not best use uh, entering data so it's better I, I i delegate it i get someone else to do it so that i can focus on the high leverage um tasks for me makes sense oh, that's um, critical well i never thought of what you what you i never thought of what you would do that i need to chew on that i think really old school glenn what are you thinking so my first thing, because I got um, this came up because I am trying to hire an employee right now. Um, but my first question is, like, if you're going to hire an employee, do you need an employee? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> this is uh, the, the big thing, because I go to lots of masterminds and I've attended and I've seen people that have like companies that have like 40, 50, 80 employees. Um, and I always wonder, like, do you need all those? Because it is such an obligation to have that many employees that's how much money you need to make every single month to pay those people um and what i usually call those companies is fat companies um usually like at that size they're not fat but they could be considered fat because it's just a real estate business right um there could be a lot of people that aren't really doing a whole lot of work right um so to, to give a little bit of background in my history about like 15 ish years ago i used to work for blackberry that company grew so fast. They hired so many people and so many people did absolutely nothing there. And it was just a, a it was just holding all this fat that it didn't need. Right. And then you slowly had to cut and sever and sell buildings and get rid of people. Um, but it's not what you really want. Right. You want to have a, a fairly lean company. Right. You want everyone to be productive. Um, and so that uh, for me, a lot of times I said, I don't need um I don't need another uh, employee, right? I, I don't need to have more people. But as I, I realize that I'm spending days on tasks that I don't really need to do, it's kind of, um, it, it doesn't really make sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, um, do I need an employee? I'm at a point now where I want to hire some employees, at least one employee to get started, right? Um, and I'm, I have done virtual employees in the past. I had some VAs that did a bunch of stuff for me. Um, so I'll, I'll get to the VAs in a little bit, but or not long. But I have a quick rant, but um, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> made it sound I'm like ready. it's so far away. Um, but the other thing is like, I don't have like a proper hiring process. Like, you know, when I go to hire a new contractor, I have a whole script of questions that I want answered. When I go to hire a property manager, I have a whole script and a whole bunch of things I want to have answered, right? But whenever I go to hire... Uh, a new employee, I haven't built this yet. So um, part of me is thinking that I need to build this, right? I need to have uh, this whole thing, the same sort of process, right? Where, I, where I'm interviewing people, I have a set script, I have set um, way to do this, right? Um, and the other thing is, how do you hire these people, right? Um, I think Darcy might have the best insights to this. Um, when I was down at the mastermind, uh, it, was, it came up as a question and people were hiring and they were like doing like those... Um, self-assessments or assessments where they do the Briggs and whatever tests mm -hmm. and yep. try and find people with similar values. Um, sometimes they were trying to hire people with same religious values, which could be uh, a little bit questionable if you hire, are hiring based on those things, but they did. This is also Americans talking and they would hire based on that because they wanted people that believe the same things as them. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, other values. Um, but I think what I need to do um, which is like, uh, is I need to write a job description. I need to do this like a business. I need to, to 
define exactly what everyone, what the person is going to do. Uh, set expectations so that they don't just show up and because um, off the start, maybe I don't have enough work for them to do, right? I don't have, I've, I've been used to doing this myself and I won't, may not be able to fill their day, but I need them to ex be expected to, as we grow, they are going to have to work the whole day and this job is going to grow and it is going to involve a lot more stuff than it will at day one, right? Because it's going to yeah. be a slow transaction to put, transition to push some of this stuff over, right? Um, whenever I did um, hired virtual assistants in the past, the way I would train them is I would make videos, um, do a, like a screen capture thing and I uh, talk and I just continue to talk as I was showing them how to do something. So I'd be like, okay, if you want to, like, for instance, um, I was trying to get rid of the, you know, pulling comps for one of, one of the things, right? So like, this is what I want you to do this is how I want you to do it. And I'd still verify everything. But what I was using virtual assistants for in the past was to weed out how much work was required so that I didn't need to do all this myself, I could just get rid of the deal and say this deal's garbage because these comps aren't even close, right? So I could just, then I would do the analysis if the numbers were close, right? Is what I was kind of using them for. And I'd make a video of how to do each step. So perhaps that's what I need to do again, right? Um, but so do you stop and do you not hire anybody until you've done all that pre-work? Um, I think probably the answer is probably yes. <laughs> um, but is it? Um, you know, I should have all these videos about what, how to do it so that people can step in on day one and do it. Or do you just kind of, um, the other side of the coin and I'm kind of posing this to Darcy because I know he had a whole bunch of employees, but, or do you go and, um, hire somebody, um, teach them how to do it and record the videos so that you have like a training module for the next one, <laughs> uh, because you could go either way. Right. But either way, you're going to have to set some time down to train these people or build. Yeah, absolutely. I like the, I have a friend who once said, you know, I can't manage people. All I can manage is systems. And, and, you know, you, you've done the work. So, you know, you've, you've put systems in place and you're ready to, because there is also these questions, you know, when do I start hiring? Am I big enough to start hiring? Is it going to be a waste of money? Is it going to be a really leveraging my time? But yeah, the idea is to create the systems. Because you've done you've done so many reps of these of these tasks that you know these tasks these tasks by heart, so you can record yourself like you were saying using Loom for example, or I I recorded myself using um, Zoom and then I posted it on YouTube, so I would send the link to the to the VA so to, so they would know what to uh, how to complete the task and I made it uh, I broke it down as simple as possible because those people you know you hire may stay or not stay and then it's easier you know to get them to the training and i try to make those videos not too long because it's it's quite it's quite boring to watch so yeah. i make it <laughs> illustrated so that and, and short so that they, i get to the and clear clear and short and my, um, my last thing is too like so say you had a salary right we're just going to make nice even numbers say it was fifty thousand dollars you think that you're going to pay these people this person to work for you right um would, is it my crazy thinking this? Because I like to like budget and pile and not have to even rely off the cash flow. Even just say, put $50,000 in an account to pay them slowly throughout the year. And then you just sort of keep track of what they've done to see if they've earned more than $50,000 for the first year. And you're mm -hmm. like, worst case scenario, uh, I spent the $50,000, but I had it as a profit from a flip or something like that. And I just put it in. And, and so it was there. It just burns down slowly throughout the year. Um, it's probably not the right way to do it, but part of my way, either, maybe I should go the other way with this is I think you have to find a way to track this, right? You have to find a way to uh, keep track of what, you know, your, the performance that you're getting out of them. If they're um, 
you know, uh, I know I used to do with my accountability partner and he always did burn down charts and he was keeping track of how his leads went when he did stuff, what the response rates were. Um, but really, if you've applied the same thing, built a system like Ari's saying for these employees to track what the the savings they had for you, how much time it saved you, how much um, money they created for you, right? Um, yeah, I, I was talking to someone else who who's very pro at getting people, getting leverage from uh, VAs and uh, he was using KPIs, key perform performance uh, indicators, yeah, and uh, that's what he was using, and uh, and then he would have a bonus. So if the person would complete all the tasks, um, so it was broken down by week. So this is every day, every, every day, the task you need to do, you'd have to respond to my posts. And if people have questions or comments on, on LinkedIn, you do this and then um, blah, 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 all the, all the tasks. And then they would get a bonus at the end. So there would be a set salary. Uh, I don't know if it, maybe let's say, you know, minimum wage. And then there was a bonus if all the tasks were completed. I like that. Oh. Yeah, because then you're it's incentivized to to work instead of just being there. Yeah, I think that could work when you had to if you have an employee with a very specific uh, things to do. Being there, being there is not is no longer sufficient. <laughs> hey, you know what? At the bottom level, some things it's hard to get people to even show up. You know, people have all kinds of reasons for not showing up. Um, boy, I've got so much, so many thoughts on this. I don't know what a burn down chart is. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, I guess for what, you know, we have, we have employees and I think where I started back backing up is to Glenn's question, you know, at what point did I need an employee? And I inherited one from my father-in-law or his first employee. And my father-in-law's idea was to have contractors. So um, main, uh, mall managers or on-site managers were private contractors and they could use the tax act to, for two reasons. One, it was beneficial to them. They could write, have a series of write-offs if they had a small business around their contracting work. Um, and it also reduced his overall overhead cost for him. He didn't have to apply in, uh, insurance, any payroll stuff. Just wrote a straight check. They dealt with it with CRA. Uh, we're talking in a Canadian context here. The challenge with that is if you are substantially directing your work, they're not contractors. And if they only have one employee, you, you're actually officially Lawyer. their employer. Lawyer. Yeah. So you run afoul of a couple areas. You run afoul of WCB, WorkSafe, for US um, um, Employment Standards Branch, which is provincial, but it's across the country, and the Tax Act. So you're in, in a couple ways. You're offside. Now, it may never be checked. And if you never have a problem, you know, you can skate past that. Um, there's other reasons why you may consider moving them from contractors. Maybe you think, like, I just plug and play, move them in, move them out. It's not that easy. It's it, The business that we do is not, some of it is not just this is a defined amount of, uh, like you could use a VA, uh, thousand, thousand contacts or phone numbers a day, uh, emails or something. They fill the hopper and they give it to you. This is jobs where you have to apply judgment, deal with the public and with, with my tenants and, the, and, you know, a dynamic situation with snow and rain and flooding and problems on site. That's the only reason you have them. If you have no problems and they just show up and you pay them, that's not super efficient. So what I have is people that are good with dealing with problems. So that's not super efficient. They have to exercise judgment. And it's hard to check the boxes on that. You know, it's a process. Um, so I, I, when I was thinking of this, what our first employee was probably the best first hire. And I recommend this to many of our commercial tenants right off the stop when they're starting a business. 
say, hey, there's lots of jobs here. And when you're starting, you have to do all, wear all the hats. But the easiest one to give to somebody else where you can get qualified professional service is your bookkeeper. You need to know your numbers. But if you're grinding out every day, booking, pasting up, um, writing checks, you're spending an awful lot of time on something that could be done by someone who's making between 20 and $25 an hour. That isn't a high price to pay for professional bookkeeping. And most don't want to pay it. It's just such a low barrier to make sure you get qualified. And that was our first employee. And when I was ordering, who's most important? That's one of my most important employees. Um, that that is taken away by someone who's capable, competent, and reliable. And, you know, they can produce reports for me. They can whip it over to a spreadsheet. They can give me a, something straight out of their accounting software. Um, and I make these requests three or four times a day just to keep on top of them. Monthly, quarterly, annually. And this stuff, my books are well-prepared and my accountants get near pristine books coming to them every year, which saves me money and time. So went to Glenn's question, you know, why would you have an employee? And if you thought, well, are they worth 50,000? But what if that employee allowed you to make double what you would, because you're not admired in all the day-to-day details of posting, writing, checks, filling the hopper with in the printer with things, and you're tied to a desk. You're not on site, you're not making meetings, you're not on phone calls, you're tied to a desk and a computer posting up you know, invoices. Um, for me, that was an, uh, certainly a no-brainer and I'm glad I you know, inherited um, that part, so to speak. The second one I throw out there, and this is in, in Canada specifically for our Canadian listeners, but in the Canadian tax after year, if you're in the real estate business, if you're owning your properties um, outside of a corporation and you're filling out personal taxes, you're, you're paying at probably the top marginal rate. And sure, you get lots of write-offs. That's great. But if you have a specific, what is they deem as specific real uh, investment business, now that could be renting trailers. It could be renting skitters. It could be renting space, commercial, residential. You have a what they deem as a specific investment business with more than five full-time employees. Now that could be eight part-time employees that make up five full-time you know, blocks, but more than that. So you need 5.1. So honestly, you need five and a half or six employees. If you do that, then, you, so then you're subject to the Corporate Tax Act, which is much more beneficial to a business in Canada. It's a little trickier because you're going to pay corporate taxes on your earnings. Then you're going to, you know, then you're going to get a dividend tax credit. They keep a little bit of that every time because there's a transaction fee going on. But then you're paying your employees uh, employment wages or you're paying yourself as dividends. The tax picture dramatically changes. You're moving from 38% to 13% on your corporate earnings. That's significant. I didn't even think about it like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So if once you have more than five employees, if, if, if morally, legally and statute requirement what is going on is you are directing those people's work substantially directing it now they have latitude to work within their job description but if you're directing their work like saying hey get down and do this and shovel the snow and you check their work and they're not producing an invoice you just pay them every two weeks they're an employee you know if it walks like a duck right so there's you know if you're already in that situation um you might be already in the spot where you're a specific investment business, 
and you can take advantage of the Canadian Tax Act. Now, not take advantage, you're subject to, it's not like you're cheating. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, that's a really um, good way. But it, again, it's now you're just spending some of your time managing processes, like I already talked about. But I don't know if you can really get away from managing people. Once you move off, for instance, pretty much like a one-person shop running 25 or 30 properties a year, you know, do you damage your productivity and your actual, what you're interested in doing your job by, by managing people? Because people are very inefficient. You can have a great system that's built to you, like hand to glove, that you're really efficient at. But once you start adding people, well, they get sick. They have car accidents on the way to work. They, you know, they take time off for having children. Um, their children's children need a babysitter or a pickup before work and after. They can only work till three because they have, you know, you start getting invested in people's lives and the complications of other people's lives. And for, that's not for everybody. I mean, it's, that's different. As Ari says, it's, you're managing people now and it's really difficult. Um, it gets sloppier. Um, I mean, you know, if, I'm a very gregarious people kind of person. So I, I don't mind that actually it's, kind of good I want to feel like I'm helping their lives but if you like a really clean transaction and not a lot of complications your question may be whether you get involved in scaling to that size or not um, you build a business around what you want to do and around your hours, hours and, and stay out of that but if you want to scale to any sort of size you're going to have to engage other people and it's going to get trickier so what are my takeaways uh, take a look at the specific investment business in the Canadian Tax Act, Section 125, any accountant will know about this. Um, I'd lay off any of my bookkeeping to somebody else. At some point, you're going to have to buy uh, hire property manager, property managers, um, somebody managing your calendar at your at some kind of scale, managing your calendar, your travel, as Ari says, um, that's exceedingly tedious and it's a massive waste of time. But it's just one that I just haven't given up to others. I mean, they used to call them travel agents, um, but I don't know if they still have those anymore. They do. They do. Okay. You know, you could give them your preferences, Ari says, and then they just book it, and send you a note, you're booked for this. And once they know your preferences, um, you know, those are some ways to really increase your productivity by leveraging others' work. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. I had one question from, I wrote down from when you started that, but you inherited an employee right at the start. Um, yep. And they probably knew a lot of stuff and probably knew a lot about the business that you didn't even know yet. Um, yeah. She thought you... I was going to fire her and take her job. When my father-in-law hired me, she barely wanted to talk to me for two months, but she's a nice person and she just felt awful. But she thought, I'm going to lose my job. I thought, so I went, I finally figured that out. I'm a little dull, I figured it out. And I went to her and said, hey, listen, Kim, I don't want to do what you do. I'm not good at what you do. And if we're going to survive, I'm going to have to make more money so you have more work. And then she was relieved. She went, oh, I have more work? So she's gradually gone up from six hours a week to more than she wants now. Now she wants to wants days, more days off. She still works with you? She is. She's going to hit 30 years, 30 years uh, next summer. So one thing I was going to ask you is, how do you plan for them to leave? without uh, offending them that they think they're going to get someone to take replace their job. Okay. But since that we've hired another person that works three days a week and we had another person who was working, uh, okay. uh, a young mama who was working six to eight hours a week and we've grown 
around having that competency in our office. I couldn't have grown to what we did if I didn't know that somebody could take care of those details. And her capacity has grown over time. I mean, she fits in a spot that's between a bookkeeper and our accountants now. So what she's doing is fairly sophisticated stuff. Um, we've filled in uh, two bookkeepers under her and actually my daughters have worked between school and university uh, doing some of the easier stuff like posting up accounts and um, uh, easy text for collections of rents and, and reports. So, you know, at some points we've had five, four or five people in the account in the accounting area of our business. Yeah, so, so the short answer is they start to hire other people to be work basically under them and they learn their job. And then as somebody gets, you know, because people will quit too on you too and they might leave with all the knowledge how to do something. Yes. Right. They, which is terrifying as well. Right. Unless mm. yeah, at the start, it's not a big deal because everything they're doing is stuff that you've trained them to do. But then like, even still, like I got my, I get my property managers right now. I, I sign a lot of tasks to them and I'd be like, Hey, you contact the city, you do this. This is an interesting situation. But a lot of times do I bother to learn how to do it? I don't. Um, and the same thing would happen with an employee. If they'd learn how to do some stuff that I don't know how to do. And then, you know, when you lose them, you lose that knowledge. Right. It's yeah. the scary part. I would caution that adding an employee should more than one times one your business. So if you're adding an employee just to take away from what you're doing, that that's good because then you can do more. If you're if you're the choke point for your business growing, then you need some help. You should hire someone so that you can set yourself free. Because in most businesses, you're probably the driver of industry. Otherwise, you wouldn't be an entrepreneur. You wouldn't be doing this. So, but um, yeah, they should add more than their value easily and discernibly right away within 60 days. If they're not, they're clearly the wrong person. Or you're giving us the sign that we probably have to wrap this up. But people, if you have questions about this, uh, write them, send them into the email in your questions. I forget where we send them. Yeah, we love the questions. Absolutely. I love to do yeah, it. Feel free to send us some questions. Thank you everybody for tuning in. You can send us some questions if you have, uh, if you enjoy the topic and you want to learn more, or there is something you think we we didn't cover, please email us at advancedreitalk at gmail.com. It's advancedreitalk at gmail.com. And just to uh, plug us in, uh, so uh, Glenn has a course if you want to learn how to uh, flip properties in the U.S. It's a great way to get started in uh, in, in in real estate investing um, with a low barrier to entry, I would say. And uh, he's been doing his course. So that's glenserverland.com. Uh, uh, Darcy is ready for, uh, is available for speaking engagements um, on topics such as um, uh, larger multifamily syndications. That's his, uh, that's his uh, area of expertise. And for myself, uh, Aurelien, the mindfulinvestor.net, I'm, uh, I do coaching. If you want to create uh, financial freedom through real estate investing, feel free to approach me. We can, uh, we can discuss uh, how to, how to get you uh, on your way. So thank you everybody for tuning in and we will see you next week. Bye, Thanks everyone.